Geek Top 5 Quarantine Edition. Yay! It was time now. There was was all the time I needed. Geek Top 5. I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And today we are back with a roundtable episode and we are giving you your five essential Ds. That's going to be Dungeons and Dragons and David and David and David. Graham, can you clarify any of that for the audience? I'd rather not. Uh, the main thing is well, we're going to be talking about Dungeons and Dragons with three of our favorite D&D players, and you have all heard them on this show before. We've got Dave Clark, one of our regular Star Trek uh, commentators. Hi. <laughs> we have David Hall, who was on recently and uh, did his list of, of horrible death trap games and has been on previously to talk about TV shows and all sorts of stuff. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. Hello, hello. And we've got Dave Ansel, who's best known for having terrible opinions about Marvel Comics. Salutations. <laughs> I like how you don't defend yourself. You're like, yes, cor- correct. <laughs> it's accurate. And uh, now Jesse will spend the next 45 minutes explaining what Dungeons and Dragons is. Yeah, everyone sit back. No, no, no. Okay, this is pretty quick. Dungeons and Dragons, it's so weird we haven't talked about it on this show before. Um, we I have think talked it, about it once before with Dave Clark, Top hi. 5 Pop Culture, D&D References. That uh, was an early a, one. That's a good point. That's a good point. And a nice segue into this because Dungeons and Dragons has become kind of mainstream lately, hasn't it? I think there are a lot of folks who have sort of grown up and like, it see it as sort of normal, whereas when we were growing up, it was not so cool. Um, real quick, Dungeons and Dragons, I mean, for, because look, somebody listens to the show who doesn't know Star Trek, and that means there might be somebody who listens to Geek Top 5 who doesn't know Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> real quick, Dungeons and Dragons is a tabletop role playing game, um, it is a collaborative imagination game. It is playing pretend with a set of rules established so that you can referee it. Um, We'll go into that in a little more detail, the history of it. It was designed by Gary Gygax and Dave Arneson. Um, Gary Gygax definitely being the bigger name, but some contention between the two uh, for the rights and such. They designed it um, in, it was first published in 1974 based on one of Gygax's older games called Chainmail. Um, Dungeons and Dragons was unique in that before that, there was really only a world of tabletop miniature war games like where you controlled lots of little dudes and an army and put them against each other. This put the player in the center seat where they, they basically made up a character there. I'm, I'm, I am pretending to be an elf today and said, here's how you can do that. And you have a referee sort of guide these players through an imaginary story in a usually but not necessarily fantasy world. Um, and it's playing adventure. There have been a variety of editions over the years, uh, from the 80s right up until the current one. The fifth edition was released in the second half of 2014, and they're they're sticking to it. And for a long time, it was seen as super weird. It was the kind of thing that crazy people did in their basements in the dark. Um, there was a big moral panic about it in the 80s where the Christian church came out and, you know, because the it was like making people do deals with devils and murder and all kinds of things that, you know, the older generation doesn't understand what the younger generation is doing. So they terrify the middle generation into banning it. 
the same kind of thing. Like, you know, we've seen all this from Elvis's hips up all the way through women having the vote. And now I think it's Fortnite is the latest one. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a really cool way for a bunch of friends to get together and have fun. Or enemies. <laughs> <laughs> or friends who become enemies. <laughs> yeah. So let's uh, so let's hit it. I mean, going over all that, those are the key points. I feel like there's some obligation on this podcast to provide factual information, but I think a lot of this is subjective, and that's why we've brought you guys onto the show. Um, I think everyone on the show has certainly played, and I think everyone except Graham has actually run games as the Dungeon Master, as it's called. Mm. God, I feel like such a loser. <laughs> right? God, Graham. <laughs> But uh, let's go around and let's talk about, like, sort of how did you get into it and what does it do for you? Um, and because we've got three Daves and this is going to be really complicated, I'm just going to pick from the top of my Zencaster list here. Let's start with you, Dave Clark. Hi. So Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, yeah, I, I started playing d and um, I would have been about 10 and uh, just some kids in the neighborhood had it. Second edition. It was early second edition. I th- well, actually, it wouldn't have been early second edition. I guess it would have been midway through second edition, technically, because I was 10, so it would have been 1994. So, yeah. And uh, just, I, I didn't understand the rules for the longest time. It was all just, it was, it was, it was the way a lot of people, I think, uh, come to the game is they, they see it being played. They kind of sidle up to it. They start they start making up a character even without you know getting the dice involved and then they sort of dive in head first and and really dig into the rules and and start to figure out how the the mechanics work and then you can sort of understand how you know how to balance this game that you're trying to play against the story you're trying to tell so it you know yeah that's my story and I've been stuck with it now for 25 years so it's kind of fun i like it <laughs> i, I kind of like it <laughs> Resounding endorsement. yeah i've been doing it for 25 years and i can conclude that i think it's okay i might keep doing it you yep. Know? Yep. <laughs> okay fair enough how about you david hall uh, you know, it's kind of interesting, I think, for me in Dungeons & Dragons, I'm actually surprised at how late in the game I got into it. Because when I was, you know, around uh, Dave's age, uh, on the school bus, in the back of the bus, I would basically run D&D-ish kind of campaigns, but just with, you know, popular, uh, you know, figures, like like going back to X-Men or something like that. Uh, but I think I sort of always imagined D&D being for older, bearded, metal you know, listening people, and it was so nerdy. And I'm not a nerd, uh, but of course, I mean, I I am. Uh, but <laughs> uh, but so my actual real introduction uh, introduction to it, um, Jesse. Actually, you uh, ran just like an intro game for me, uh, and uh, and that was sort of the first actual taste of playing the game. But I kind of didn't really get into it until. Uh, a friend of mine was like, hey, a bunch of us want to play D&D, but we don't have a, uh, a DM and we think you would be an amazing DM. And I was like, uh, what? And so they gave me the books uh, for fifth edition. So we've I've only been playing for honestly a couple of years, but 
it's kind of run my life at this point, especially with COVID. And I wanted to give you a couple stats so you can sort of understand what my life is now. Um, because in those, I guess we, we haven't actually made it to our second anniversary just yet. It will be like in a couple months, but we've played uh, basically monthly since then. So we've played 23 main sessions. We've done over 20 mini sessions, which I can talk to you guys about that stuff later. And the people are artists who are in the group. And so they've done a lot of uh, artwork for it. They do cartoons for it. They write. Um, they like they love fan fiction, stuff like this. But of course, this isn't fan fiction because this is their own characters. So they've written 55 like RPs, which is over, uh, and I counted this today, 658 pages worth of just documentation um for the campaign uh that i'm running with them uh so we're kind of um uh intense you're you're leaning more towards the hardcore for sure yeah yeah and then i and then i and right now i also play in a in a different campaign but uh yeah so it's 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 almost like D D uh 24 7 over here both feet yeah yeah dove right in yep well i can uh this year has been Dungeons and Dragons' best year for sales in their entire uh, in history since it, since it came out. Uh, for obvious reasons, it's something you can do pretty well over digital, and you know you. Mm-hmm. you so it's really been interesting to see just how well it's sort of. And the other thing is that it's really taken off in terms of uh, celebrities and and. Sure, and, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, culture. somebody at marketing for Wizards of the Coast, the company that owns it now, I think with Stranger Things, where they had the kids playing it mm-hmm. in that show, that was a Huge. big one. And that was 2019, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, they said shortly after that, uh, was it 2019? Yeah, in 2019, 4.3 billion minutes of Dungeons & Dragons gameplay were watched on live stream. Wow. So that was a big jump. Wow. Uh, but before we get too into the stats, there's 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 still more Dave. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Dave Ansel, how about you? Oh yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I first um, saw people playing Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, part of my friend group uh, in high school was playing it. Um, they were playing Second Edition, so the first look I had uh, at the game involved the Thaco tables, mm. um, which for anybody who doesn't know is basically the those old spreadsheets that are associated with the older versions of D&D. Um, but I never actually really played it, and I didn't have too much interest in playing it at the time. Um, but when I really got interested in Dungeons & Dragons, I uh, was listening to Penny Arcade's Acquisitions Incorporated podcast, uh, which was a collaboration with Wizards of the Coast uh, to promote the release of 4th edition. Um, and to me, it, it just it sounded like uh, some friends having a bunch of fun, so I was intrigued. Um, I also soon found out that a, a home game runs very differently than a game run by a professional DM played by professional <laughs> comedians, right? <laughs> um, but but the first time that I actually played the game uh, was when I joined a campaign uh, being played by my ex-wife's ex-boyfriend's brother. <laughs> and they were still playing uh 3.5 edition um partly because it was uh what they've been playing for a while and probably 
uh, because fourth edition was still pretty new. Uh, but it didn't really matter to me uh, that it was a different edition than the podcast. Um, it just seemed fun. I'd been, um, you know, a fan of uh, the fantasy genre for quite a while, um, and I liked RPG video games. So uh, it it seemed like it would be a fun thing to do. Um, I was always a a power gamer, so um, for me it was finding strategies, it was min maxing, and finding the most optimized character in order to effectively win Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> and it has only been uh, recently that I've tried this uh, this thing that I've been hearing so much about called role playing, <laughs> uh, which it we turns were actually out- doing character stuff instead of stuff with numbers. <laughs> yeah, it's it's right. an absolute blast. <laughs> you know, who, who would have thought? Um, but, I'll tell you something. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, so, so now I have a a home game um, that that uh, that we play regularly every Sunday. I I really I I'm going to jump in. I really want to hear Graham's story because he's by far going to be the most complicated one here. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I want to leave that to last because of that, because I feel like that's going to segue into our next bit. So allow me to jump ahead of you, my good friend. All right. Uh, in my case, D&D for me, I also came to it a little bit later. I didn't really understand what it was when I was growing up because I was a very video game kid, right? Like they're, like this was a game people were playing with pencils and paper and those Thaco spreadsheets. And that didn't look like fun. That looked like work and math. And then I was at I was at an older cousin's bar mitzvah, and I can tell nice. you the exact date because I remember the bar mitzvah came grinding to a halt because we all had to see the premiere of part two of Who Shot Mr. Burns. <laughs> there you go. Okay. So I can tell you precisely that it was September 17th, 1995. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, and there was what I recognize now a couple of awkward kids who didn't who weren't really into the 13-year-old music and dancing who had set up a couple of, of tabletop games. Um one of them was I mean 95 so I guess also second edition a second edition Dungeons and Dragons and what attracted it to me is was they had the minis. Mm. Like Dungeons and Dragons is mostly played in the imagination, but the experience is significantly increased by visual aids. Like, you know, you can draw a map on graph paper and that works, but if you draw a cool dungeon and a hall, like, you know, a dank hallway with torches flickering, that's awesome. Similarly, Absolutely. to indicate your place, if, you know, it can be, I, I it, and I've done this, I've, well, I've done it with shot glasses too. That's, that's a different kind of game, but it can be done with Skittles. It can be done with M&Ms. But if you have a cool figure of your guy, if you're playing a knight and there's a cool guy with a sword and shield, that's awesome. Especially, you know, I would have been 10 at the time. So that's what attracted me to it. Fun semi-side note, the other game, I swear to God this is true. I didn't recognize it at the time. It was a hex-based game, and the figures were little die-cast metal robots. Uh-oh. It, it <laughs> had to be Battletech. I didn't know what it was at the time, but it had to be Battletech. Sure. And I remember sure. thinking, I still think about it to this day, and I yeah. am much older than 10. Yeah. So that's I mean, that's, fun. that's one of those things where I'm shocked that I missed Dungeons & Dragons, because like, like you're saying with all these miniatures, like I had all the Warhammer stuff. Like I had White Dwarf Games Workshop stuff. So I don't know. I mean, you know, they sort of 
the way that they separate. We don't need to get into the history of all that, but I'm just shocked that it, <laughs> that I just I missed for, it. For people who dip their toes into the podcast now and then, just to be clear, BattleTech has become like the franchise of Jesse's uh, waking life. life. Yeah. <laughs> life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm married to my wife. She's and she's number one. After that is BattleTech. After that is like food and water. Right. You know. Yeah. And anyway, Mass Effect, I think, right? <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. Dave, Not why as- did you say that? Ugh. <laughs> Quite up there. Yeah, we're living in a post Andromeda world. That's right. Yeah, exactly, exactly. In any case, we uh, we we get into the weeds. Um, since then, I got super into trying it. I couldn't find anyone to play it with me um, until after I had graduated college. Um, Graham and I used to hang out at this place called Sci-Fi World, which was uh, like a tabletop game, like geek shop that also had a cafe attached. And there was a period of time in my life where I uh, I was looking for company a bit, like ha- like whenever like, Graham was working at this little used like record, well used DVD store, I would go bug him there. And when he wasn't, I would go hang out at Sci-Fi World, and there were a bunch of weird people with you know T-shirts and beards playing Dungeons and Dragons. And so I started getting more of an introduction into it there. And then finally, as a, as a birthday gift, which is something we need to go into into more detail, as a birthday gift, my friends allowed me to run a and d game for them. And <laughs> I think that's the game where you got introduced to it, David Hall. <laughs> right on. Um, I, I, I put that a little sarcastically because running the game is not easy. That is no. rarely a gift. No, no. It's a no. lot of work. <laughs> to put it all together but i wanted to play and my friends played it with me and i think that's where it sort of spread into our little group so nowadays um, i play twice a week about two hours at a time i run a game on monday nights and i play a game on thursday nights uh, that dave clark runs for us and also dave ansel in the past you've run games for me um a few times and i think i've run games for you i'm not certain though uh, um, yes, there was at least one. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good to know. Games. Games. Ru- games running with you uh, tend to involve drinking a lot of wine, so they get pretty blurry. <laughs> but. Uh, but yeah, and that's just—it's become the thing I look forward to, like just throughout the week, especially during the pandemic. Like there, you know, there's work and there's toil and drudgery, and trying to sleep, and there's Dungeons and Dragons twice a week, <laughs> and it is getting together with my friends and having hilarious things happen, and it is a blast. So with that, I want to hand it over to Graham. I want to hear your, your experiences with it as Mr. I don't really like fantasy. And <laughs> <laughs> That's me. This, I just, I got to hear how this works. Uh, well, I mean, I, I was aware of it growing up, um, but never had that much interest in playing. It was always depicted in pop culture as something uh, of a nerdy level that was beyond me. And so I, I can't honestly say I remember giving it much thought. Uh, then I think I was at uh, an anime North, which was a big fan run anime convention. And I, there was, I loved Firefly and, and still do. And I walked into a room. It was like, I don't know, nine or 10 at night. And people were doing uh, a, you know, a and d style game, a tabletop game of, of Firefly. And I remember sitting there and just watching them play and enjoying that. And that was probably my first taste of this kind of activity. And then Jesse ran that 
that birthday game. I, I had forgotten that was it was a birthday thing. But anyway, it was a, a good time. And after that, there were stretches where a few of us tried to convince Jesse to run a game for us. But he uh, a didn't think we would be committed enough. And B, I think he was suspicious of our motives. <laughs> <laughs> don't threaten me with a good time yeah (laughs) and then at one point i got fed up of of begging jesse and i like bought a DD starter set and i was like forget jesse we'll do it without him and uh then the box collected dust and i never opened it or, or got into it and then i don't remember exactly how our game started but dave dave reached out i think and and dave clark and we got this group together and we started doing it every like once a month at best in person and uh for only for a couple of hours uh, a month which is very little for a D game mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. since the pandemic started it's been once a week pretty consistently and and i think i'm I, we haven't really talked about it but i think post pandemic we'll continue doing it that way because it's it's a lot easier to remember what's going on when you're doing it every sure. week instead of once a month at best. Yeah, so there there we go. And I I my favorite part is the role playing part. Like I I like the the combat. I'm getting more into it, but the combat is is still somewhat intimidating. Figuring out all the dice you have to roll, but I just really like being a weirdo goblin. <laughs> <laughs> Graham yeah. is a particularly good weirdo goblin. I'll tell you that right I can, now. I can picture it. Yeah, he's yep. so great at D- when you're doing it in D and D. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I think what you're like identifying there, Graham, though, uh, is is so important. It's sort of like what the aspects are that you want. Like, I I ran one like a one shot ish sort of possibly more uh, sort of first time DMing. Uh, I guess I lied to you in my opening when I said. My first time DMA, I did one. I did one solitary time where I tried to get a different group of people together. But we went right into it. And what I didn't realize and why it kind of failed was we had a couple people in the group who were expecting this sort of, you know, uh, role play heavy. Let's just sort of shoot the shit, and make up stuff on the fly kind of a game. While we had other people who were there ready to roll some dice and slay some monsters and you know min max it. And it's like and it. We definitely we didn't run a session zero and uh, and we really should have and uh, so yeah you need so everybody on the explain same page. what is a session zero sure am I explaining it or yeah. other people want to explain it <laughs> go ahead David I mean really quick it's a meet and greet right that's what but, it is yeah. yeah I think what's really interesting about it is literally yeah you have to just get the right group together and just know that you're all on the same page and because D and D is so free form. Uh, and it, it is just a, a just a bunch of rules that you can sort of apply how you want, um, and it's open for interpretation. There, uh, you should talk to your group to see what kind of uh, adventure they're expecting, and mm-hmm. um, and you can look it online. Uh, there, there are people who have like honestly, there are like forms you can fill out if you want <laughs> about uh, structuring it. Um, also, even just talking about how you want your characters uh, to be created. Some, I mean, some people just want like a out of the box sort of uh, stereotypical kind of adventure uh, while other people want to write, you know, lore and backstory and, you know, have five pages and they want to, they want to tell you why they, why they like to steal people's, I don't know, 
rings, you know, at night uh, because they were jilted lovers or something like that. And uh, yeah. and so getting all that figured out before you actually start playing is pretty important. Yeah, I think that's the like you said, the freeform nature of it is what's the maybe the most interesting part about it is the rules are only a suggestion, right? This is something that you can do in real life when it's not a hard coded video game or like a you know a national sport with a mandated rules. Like it, you play it the way you want. Like there is definitely an attitude for like David Ansel, like you were describing the the power gamer where it's I'm optimizing the build of my character I'm choosing the best spells I'm I'm making the best numbers so that when I roll dice I can win the most uh, and that's and that's an option but then there's also options you know like in the game I play with Graham but we spent an hour where he was like auditioning to become an actor or something. <laughs> I, I was there and I still don't quite get it, but yeah, it was, it was a full hour where nobody rolled any dice, but it was, yeah, yeah. it was Dave, you know, role-playing this, this theater director and Graham doing like the Marx brothers. Like it was a riot. I, I just, I mean, we're, we could spend this whole time uh, patting each other on the back, but I got to say, I think part of that is like Dave Clark has a lot of experience DMing and playing D and D and is a really good not that I have much to compare to, but he, it seems like he's a really good DM when it comes to gearing things so that everyone gets a little bit of what they want. Like no one is sitting around just twiddling their thumbs or, or feeling forced to do stuff that they don't want to do. You know, you may not you may not be the star every week, but everyone gets a chance to shine. And I think it's a really great feature that he's he's able to do. Mm. Well, and yeah, just to circle back to session zero, I think, you know, we didn't actually do it in person, but we, I sent around and emailed y'all and, um, and we talked, you know, do you, are you expecting, is this, is this Lord of the Rings? You want to be playing Lord of the Rings or is it, uh, you know, what was that movie, uh, where they're fighting dragons, but it's like rain of fire, rain, rain, of, oh, fire. rain of fire. Yeah, exactly. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. you know, those are completely Underrated different. Movie. Or yeah. alternatively, you could play a D and D game with the tone, like uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, right? Like those are all totally, you know, tones that you can play in. Yeah, very valid. Uh, all of them. Yeah. Uh, and you, but you, not everybody's going to be happy if one person is there for Lord of the Rings and another person is there for Guardians of the Galaxy. So you kind of gotta, you kind of gotta make sure everybody's on the same page or at least a close enough page that you can share the spotlight enough to, and that's, that's what session zero, you know, we were talking about earlier is like, you make sure everybody's on the same page with, you know, what happens if one of the characters wants to kill the orphanage, you know? Sure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. Knowing actually that's, I would say that is a really strong thing. If, if you haven't been playing D and D and you want to get into it, sort of know what are the taboo things that are okay and not okay because people's I, lines for some of that stuff are all over. You think that you're all like, Oh yeah, we're cool. We all know the same things, but when it comes to power fantasies, people have, vastly different uh, um, uh, tolerance levels, let me tell you. yeah, I feel like Kill the Orphanage has to be explained a bit more, just for it's a bit of a (laughs) wild thing to say, and then for us to just sort of walk past. There was, in a game that I was playing in, uh, there was an orphanage, and uh, 
the players were already in trouble with the cops, so they decided to start a fire near the orphanage <laughs> in order to get the guard distracted, mm-hmm. so that they would they would the guard the city guard would run to the orphanage while the the, the players escaped. Well, you know that for for some players that is for you remember the characters might think that, but for some players that entering their fantasy is all of a sudden a bunch of dead orphans is not something they actually want to engage with in their fantasy. So you have to, you know, have a conversation beforehand about where that, you know, where's, where's the line can our kids endanger? Like in cyberpunk 77, um, you can't hurt kids, right? Like that's, they just hard coded into the game. So it's a similar idea. Which I mean, is true of when you meet people, anyway right is but it's it's just i guess you're right david hall the the fantasy of it like you don't always know like what someone is saying when they picture like like oh i wish it was the medieval times mm-hmm. some people see like king arthur and the knights of the round table and other people see eh, you know darker stuff yeah so, yeah pillage stuff yeah there you go but it's, yeah Vikings. It, it's stuff. also yeah <laughs> it's also important that the the players aren't like you know, Dustin Hoffman method acting their, their things. And it's like, if someone in the group is playing a character who's extra evil and Mm -hmm. wants to like, not only burn the orphanage down, but like make sure no one can be rescued. All the doors are locked. Yeah. You have to, the player has to be willing to be like, look, this is how I would think this character would handle this, but I have to also still be able to be in a room with these people and Mm -hmm. and find Mm -hmm. that balance. Sure, sure, sure. I actually, I mean, I have a sort of a small story to tell even in this sort of scenario where, uh, so I have my main campaign that I'm playing with uh, uh, my group and they have their their usual characters, but um, one character can make it one session. And so I decided instead of running that, we're like, oh, you know what? Maybe fun to run uh, an evil campaign. Uh, like an evil one shot. And so they all got these sort of evil characters together. Uh, I didn't tell them that this was going to somehow be linked to our grand story, uh, but they should have, they should have guessed because they, they know me <laughs> by now. Um, but basically what happens is at the end, it, it's like suicide squad kind of like they're, they're sort of like, you know, taken out of prison and they have to go and like assassinate this target. Right. That's like this bad, this bad dude. Uh, and so they're all for it. They're doing all this stuff. And then the ending of sort of the twist at the end, what's revealed is they actually have to sort of uh, kill a family member of one of their regular characters. Whoa. Um, and so so that's like the twist. So they actually like they actually got they got way more emotional than I thought they were. <laughs> to be honest, they were totally cool with doing it. They thought it was really dramatic and powerful, and it'll be really interesting to see the repercussions because, well, right now their main characters don't know it's happened yet. Um, so when they find out that it that it happens, it'll be a, a big dramatic part in our in our main campaign. Well, but, this gets uh, uh, this comes out on Sunday, so. <laughs> <laughs> You better come up before then. Yeah, no, no. They're, yeah, they, they already have it. Yeah, we already have that sorted. But but the All fact right. that I, I I basically put them in a scenario where it's like, uh, so are you going to kill this uh, this sister or not? And they're like, uh. But uh, yeah, they, they went with it. But it was very, uh, like I said, it was very emotional for them. 
that's that's kind of what I meant when I was describing it as collaborative storytelling. Like it's I've I've just tried describing it to people like well I want to say boomers, but that's not fair. But like people who aren't familiar with it, I've described it as it's like when you're a kid and you're running around on the you know on the schoolyard. It's I got you, I got you. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. This lets you explore that fantasy, but it also sets up rules. Like to help you referee that. Mm-hmm. And I just want to make sure we talk about that a little too. Like we've talked heavily about the role play, but Dungeons and Dragons is also about providing a framework to let you figure out, are you able to do what you want to do? And I think Dave Ansel, I'm going to pick on you for this because you're the numbers guy. You're the power guy. Um, <laughs> since third edition, D&D has basically been the home of the D20 system. Um, can you explain to, to us a, a little bit about how that works? Okay, so the D20 system is that there is um, an icosahedral die, meaning a 20-sided polyhedral die, uh, that you will roll whenever you uh, want to do most things in the game, such as attacking a creature, or um, if you uh, want to see if you've uh, seen something or heard something, or to check for traps, or to move stealthily, or anything like that, you're always rolling the same 20-sided dice. And uh, you will take the results of that dice, and you will add any modifiers that you may have based on your class, or your race, or any uh, additional feats that you may have taken for your character. There's basically all kinds of uh, different ways that you can customize a character um, that can potentially add modifiers to uh, certain roles. And, and those modifiers. <laughs> and subtract. You gotta add that, that subtracting there too. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah so if you're playing a particularly buff, you know, barbarian, like chances are your strength score is high. So when you roll your D20, like you'll naturally get like a few numbers boost to the result. You rolled a five, but you have a natural plus five to that because of how beefy your guy is. Similarly, you might be playing a hollow boned wizard who will get a penalty to, to strength stuff. Um, but you'll have other talents, uh, intelligence, wisdom, things like that, that will probably help with your spell casting, or even just your observation or looking around or trying to interpret someone's motivations. Uh, so whereas the DM is the referee, sort of, it's it's not up to him to pick you know who wins. Uh, he's got he or she is or they is that's what they they are guiding the story, but the die rolls are let you know. If you can get away with what you want to do. Yes, the dice know the story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, and boy, do I, I mean, I know I'm especially, su- I was surprised that other people aren't as superstitious about dice as I am. Um, <laughs> but I know I definitely have, like, you I have, You're a fanatic. <laughs> yeah, I, I have separate sets of dice for when I'm doing separate stuff. And like, I don't like other people touching my dice. I definitely don't want the DM touching my dice sure, or sure. me using, like, I feel like that has to be a, like for whatever reason I, I, I have, I am not a very religious person. I'm not a very faith-based person. I'm most of the time I'm pretty down to earth, but something about those dice, man, like it's. <laughs> so, okay. Can I ask you a question then about that? Do you ever roll 
or want to roll on the computer? Like, do you use D&D Beyond and like hit the button to do the digital dice? Or do you have to have the physical tactile dice that you gotta like, gotta roll it? I use the physical tactile dice 99% of the time. Right. Um, it's like, it's a matter of stupid gatekeeping pride at this point, because everybody's playing online now. And it's a lot easier to do some of the more complex stuff in D&D Beyond digitally. Sure, sure, Because sure. you might have a set of die rolls, like, you know, a dual-wielding character might, you know, roll 2d20s to see if either of them hit, and then the first one will hit, so then they'll roll a d8, and then they'll add three to it, and then they have a feat that's going to add plus four and allow them to roll another d6, and you know what? Doing all that math in your head is hard, and I get it. On D&D Beyond, you click attack, mm-hmm. and you see the animation of the dice going, it tells you how it goes, but... I'm superstitious about the digital dice. I don't trust them. <laughs> now, now, I'm a computer guy, so I can go in for a long time about how, you know, random numbers on a computer aren't yeah. really random, yada, yeah. yada, yada. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I just feel like there's a connection between me and my dice. When I'm playing as character A, I use character A's dice. When I'm DMing, I use a separate set of dice because I don't want those two to cross. None sure. of that stuff is real, but I'm so invested in oh, this world, real, I guess, oh, that it's leaked <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. As you say, in the two campaigns that I'm in, one of them, so now, obviously, because of COVID, we're doing both of them online. But one of them, we are using Roll20, and, you know, it's all plugged in there. You know, you hit. You you can even you can even link it so your DMD beyond if you want to use that sheet or if you want to use the roll twenty sheet but it's you you know you can just hit a button and it does all that stuff but the other the other campaign that we do um, that I run yeah we actually keep it a lot more basic so people can use the dice that they've spent all their money on <laughs> for their different characters and and whatnot so yeah definitely a lot of people like the the real feel the shiny math rocks yeah ah. <laughs> uh- I like. I mean, I'm I'm a big fan of of dice. And I'm a big fan of rolling it, but I'm I I'm not so superstitious. I'll, I will tell you this though, roll twenty. I feel like the die roller in roll twenty is not random, or it's so <laughs> random that that I'm. But I think that if you press it twice too quickly, it gives you the same result because it happens to me a lot. Huh. Yeah, I have a player in one of my games that consistently rolls like sequences of tens. Like enough, that, I mean, you know, like dice theory is dice theory, but yeah, this yeah. isn't dice theory. It's a program. And if he rolls a 10, like the whole group will go, okay, like keep rolling until you get it out. And three, four, five times keep coming up tens until it changes. So maybe yeah. that's all in our head, but I don't know. Or it's like, it's so random that you're getting these weird results because yeah. of the the law yeah. of pi numbers. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I'm I'm a big fan of rolling it in person. But I'm sure. not. I don't Do you jail mind. your dice too. You're like, uh, this no, one's gotta go to dice no, jail. No, no, no. <laughs> I I grew out of that. I did. I grew out of that. <laughs> right. Exactly once I salted a d20. Yeah. What does that mean? Like you literally yeah. put salt on it, or are you being like figurative? I, like, like I put a bowl of salt and I rolled the <laughs> dice in the salt because I said something is wrong with this dice, yeah. and I need it to purged yeah, and cleanse. That bad juju. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I'm not please. saying it's it wasn't crazy. I'm just saying that I did it. And it sure seemed to roll better right. afterwards. Right. <laughs> so I don't believe in any of that stuff. However, 
because a lot of um, the people that I play with buy all these fancy custom dice, a lot of them are like sort of more artisanal, right? And so definitely some of those dice, I think, might not come out perfectly weighted. Right. Uh, so one of my players has this favorite favorite die that seems to like to roll 18s a bit more than normal. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, but you know what? We go with it. I'm, I'm, totally, I'm totally fine with it. I actually, that said though, as a player, when I when I play and when I DM, outside of combat, in combat I want all the high rolls. Uh, but outside of combat, it, it always cracks me up when when I fail or people fail what they should be <laughs> doing. <laughs> that stuff just makes for good storytelling. Absolutely, it's it, the failure is often more interesting. It's more you know, it, the creating a creating a situation where it's, it's problem for the players. They have to come up with some 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 more creative solution than simply picking the pocket. Yeah. Well, as a power gamer, I used to hate when I had a specific plan that I would mm-hmm. want to do. They asked me to roll the dice and then randomly I would fail it, even though it was a particular skill that I happened to be really good at. But sure. I just rolled so low on the dice that there was just no possible way to succeed. I found that really frustrating. Now I find it uh, hilarious and interesting to know what those repercussions are going to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the that's the the fail forward uh, recommendation from 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 fifth edition is a uh, is is new. Like the that did not appear in the books in in three three and three point five. They were. What does that mean? Fail well, yeah, fail forward is that you can't don't put a don't put a die roll in the way of the plot. Mm. Right. So in other words, if you, if you, if the players have to succeed a single die roll in order to move forward with the, with the campaign, then invariably they're going to fail. And the whole motion of the session is going to grind to a halt and then the fun goes away. So what you have to do is you have to find a way that the failure there has to be, you know, it may, it may be that they succeeded, but with consequences, you, 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 you pull, you got, you got your hand in his pocket and you pulled out the key, but then he saw you, uh, you, you opened the lock, but there was a huge loud noise, you know, whatever it is, right. Yeah. You're, you're eavesdropping around the corner. You rolled a one. So you didn't hear the important piece of information you needed, but because you rolled a one, you sneezed and the guy saw you and now there's combat. And later on, the villain will give you his, here's my evil plan monologue and you'll get the information there. Yeah. So the you know and and it's just tra- it's 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 also one of those things where you're like as the DM you you have to say okay clearly there's there has to be a consequence to this bad role but let's make it a, you know you're still you're still looking for group fun right you're mm-hmm. all in this to have fun together so what is the what is the what is the fail forward consequence um and the other thing is, you know, the D20 system is there's 5% chance you can get the highest number and there's 5% chance you get the lowest number. And that's not really anything like reality. It's people train for all their lives to be really good at something. They they don't fail 5% of the time. <laughs> now, um, arguably, that's what the modifiers are for. Right. But you know what I'm if you you know, you know what I'm saying? Sure. It's, it's it's one of those things about the D20 systems. There's a lot of other systems in tabletop role playing game that have moved away from D20 where you get a couple of dice. And so you're at, you're, you're much more 
likely to get average rolls. Sure, sure, sure. Well, but I, mean, I don't like yeah. that as much. I like the D twenty. I like the swinginess. I like the the insanity of the the you, you can be the 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 acrobat thief uh, who trips on a banana peel like one in ten times. Sure, you know? sure, sure, sure. We've yeah, all seen yeah. the the person yeah. at the Olympics who's trained for their whole lives who screws it up on the big stage. So that's not without without precedent mm-hmm. yeah and i'd also argue you know when you fail or when a player fails one of these checks uh sometimes it will be because you know there's a banana peel or something but it just means that they fail so they could still sort of almost succeed in a like for instance let's say they uh the idea is that they have to make you know this amazing i don't know dart throw uh uh, and it's not so much that they're still aiming, you know, directly at the dartboard. It's going to be a bullseye, but something else gets in the way, right? Like there can be a different reason for the failure to happen. Mm-hmm. You don't necessarily okay. have to make it that the the player's the player. skill is is at fault, uh, but rather mm-hmm. circumstance and uh, and something, yeah. or 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 even just like some something else that's bigger, badder, better at it can 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 also throw it at too. And honestly, the dice roll doesn't even necessarily have to have a fail component. Uh, if, let's say, you have a giant chasm and the players are trying to jump across, you don't really want them to just fall down the chasm and die. Well, you but don't. You, but you can use the dice roll that if they roll really low and effectively fail the check, mm-hmm. then they jumped, but they they didn't land on their feet on the other side. They hit the side of the chasm and they're scrambling up and maybe they might take a little bit of damage or something, but they still completely succeeded in the overall goal of, I want to get over there. Um, So there was no way to to fail the jump, but uh, the dice informed how your character just acted in that one particular situation. Sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It okay, sounds I, obvious when we put it this way, but I know early on DMing, I made that mistake. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, yeah, like, sure. part of the problem was when I really got started, it was in fourth edition and it was a lot harder to bend the rules. Like that. Yeah, fourth edition same, was same. was very much more of a, like a tabletop. It was, it was a lot more like a war game than it was a role-playing game. And that's probably what ended up going by the transition to fifth edition in a hurry. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I definitely failed some play- like players had cool ideas, but they ruled poorly and I didn't let them succeed. And the only like, and then none of us were having a good time, right? Like they weren't getting through the story I had crafted. So I was having a bad time and they weren't like, you know, winning is the wrong word, but they yeah. weren't able to enjoy this world. So it sounds obvious, but like it's, it's tricky to think on your feet, like to be able to improvise those solutions and say, okay, here's how this is going to go. Yeah, it's that it takes it takes uh well it takes maturity and it also takes uh uh practice for sure. Okay, well, I have practice. <laughs> I want to ask so, so I think the the player perspective is something that most outsiders can appreciate more because it's like you're just you're playing and you're getting into a role and and it's you're you're being taken on an adventure. So from that perspective We've all played the game. Uh, what is a favorite character of yours that you like to play as? <laughs> uh, I mean, so the problem is that I don't have a specific favorite character. Actually, I might have one favorite character now that I think about it. <laughs> I'm a liar. I definitely have a favorite character. <laughs> but I can't our, tell you about it. Our Sunday, uh, our Sunday group um, started off as uh, we were just doing a bunch of one-shots. 
um, that our DM, he would just find cool one shots. And so he decided to create this group uh, where we'd be able to do them. So we're effectively creating a new character every single time. We had the option wow. to bring forward characters, um, but he just tell us, okay, th- it should be this level um, and create whatever uh, character you want. So it, it really gave a great opportunity to to uh, explore the different uh, classes or races and, and also just um, not have to take it too seriously because I'm not uh, playing it for an extended campaign over months or years or however long. So uh, you can make more ridiculous uh, things. Um, I made a, um, I made a, a bard uh, named, tiefling named uh, justice timberlake mm-hmm. um i made a um i made a, we, we had one uh one-off where we all played bards um so i made a were you were a, you all really in sync mm-hmm. uh, actually our our band name was um ac20 dc20 yeah i was proud of that one um, and um, so you and, guys were all a bunch of dads and bards, is what you're saying. Yes. Okay. And uh, so I played a character called Boozu Barnes, who was like a, a Zydeco player and like a lizard folk from the Bayou, and playing a washboard and everything. It was fantastic. Oh, that sounds good. Um, yeah. A character called Conan the Barbarian, which was a totem of the bear druid, or sorry, a totem of the bear uh, barbarian, and a uh, a druid with a uh, circle of the moon so I could wild shape into a big brown bear. It's co- it's Conan the Barbarian. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so D&D for you is an opportunity to make puns. <laughs> oh, I, That's what it was great. Um, but, but my favorite character was uh, one called... Um, uh, actually, so we had decided to uh, do a, an evil campaign at one point. Uh, but with the pandemic and everything, um, people decided that uh, instead of doing really evil evil, we were going to do more of kind of a Saturday cartoon evil. And I had already had it in my head that I wanted to do a lawful evil character because I love lawful evil. You know, chaotic evil is just running around, killing everything indiscriminately. But like the villains who like to take a system and manipulate it, all right, that's that's more intriguing. So, so would the, the popular idea of a lawful villain character be someone like Dolores Umbridge from the Harry Potter books. Exactly. Yeah. Somebody okay. who bends the system, uh, for their Darth Vader. dark purposes. Sure. And, um, and so I, uh, created a character named Johnny Johnson based on a character from the, um, from the fifth season of news radio, which was a sitcom in the nineties. <laughs> <laughs> played, by, uh, okay. yeah, played, played by Patrick Warburton and I did the Patrick Warburton voice and everything and because he was his name was like Johnny Johnson I was like alright what is he going to be you know what half orc that's right half orc named Johnny Johnson This we, we also had to start as an all rogue so it was a rogue half orc named Johnny Johnson uh, our first thing was a heist um, at level one and then after that one session of that heist, um, we then did jumped forward to level 13, where okay. you had to at least, keep, <laughs> at least keep some levels in rogue, but then um, move on 
Uh, so he was this like businessman and uh, who like owned like an evil corporate empire kind of thing. But then when I jump forward to the level 13 uh, portion, um, he was basically like a ruined businessman. So he was broke and uh, <laughs> just coming up and uh, became something of a, a local warlord. And it was just, it was awesome. Just creating the character, creating the backstory and, uh, and really playing it. And uh, it also led to one of my favorite moments in a, in a, at any D and D game so far, That's I think the here. second. Yeah, I think the second half of this podcast is going to be tell us your funny D and D stories. Yes, sure. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to get right into it, I, I just you know, and then we'll keep handing it off. But um, so we need to uh, rob a bank, basically, and uh, our characters end up splitting up and entering the bank from different places. Uh, one of the characters. Um, went in through the window in what ended up to be the bathroom. Uh, so, and one of the uh, security guards heard something, entered the bathroom and was starting to question him as we're coming in through the other side. We're trying to be all stealthy, but eventually we mess it up. We get into combat in the main lobby of the bank. And then while all this is going on, um, I can hear um, my character, is by the door of the washroom I can hear him being questioned about uh, his authenticity because um, he's trying to play it off like he's uh, one of the bank employees uh, except that um, that bank employee happened to be a, a dwarf with a very dwarven accent which he did not have so I could mm-hmm. tell it was going south and I just walk I'm, I'm like in the middle of combat I just confidently walk through the door and I grab the guy's hand, shake it and say, you know, like, Hey there, I'm uh, Johnny Johnson, the uh, chief officer of officers at uh, this bank. And uh, I see you've got my compatriot here. We're just uh, doing a check of make sure everything's okay. So if you could just leave us alone, do our business, that would be, uh, that would be fantastic. So I rolled a persuasion check, which didn't go so well. And so I had to kind of pull him in close while I've still got his, uh, his hand and say, and, uh, you know, if, if not, uh, might have to rough you up a bit. And I rolled so good on my intimidation check. He basically just walked out and left the bank. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That was smooth. <laughs> that was my favorite interaction in in D anD D so far. <laughs> Just, you, have a, good, you have a solid radio voice too. Uh, I, I like yeah. your I like your <laughs> I like the tone the tone of your voice for yeah. for talking like that. It's working out <laughs> for sure for sure. And it's a good example, like of the combination of you know role playing an interesting idea. Hey, here's something I think it could work, and and the dice saying, well, here's how it's going to go. Church creation mm-hmm. is a blast. I, I like to describe D and D as a choose your own escapism. Sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, let's keep that rolling. Da- let's let's go back up the chart. David Hall, uh, funny D and D characters, funny D and D stories. Well, um, I mean, I've got a lot lot of D and D stories. Uh, we do a lot of funny things but i feel like it's it's always like you have to be there at the time uh for a lot of them when you look back but uh the character i can't say i, I have a, a tons of favorite characters because i only really have one character uh but his his name's D- diggory grimbolt and he is a 
uh, wizard who um, the the short the, the shortened version is basically he like stumbled upon like the Necronomicon. He actually hates it, but he's actually really good at using it. So he's kind of like freaked out by his powers. Uh, he lost one of his hands uh, due to the short version is frostbite. The longer version involves zombies and chopping it off and he's replaced it with like a familiar so he basically has like this hand that like does its own thing and he keeps it covered with a uh, an oven mitt um and the the hand also just likes to eat its own food and whatnot so that's wild yeah so that's my that's the character that i'm playing in uh in my campaign and he's i think what's sort of interesting about him is that he's like uh he's this sort of like sort of funny character. And I I actually made the character not to be like the leader, anybody really, really important because I talk so much in in the other campaign uh, that I wanted to always like take a backseat and just be one of those like weirdo uh, extra characters that provides like sort of a comedic relief. Um, But uh, I think what was really interesting in my uh, campaign that I'm DMing um, is that when COVID happened, I was trying to figure out, because a lot of my uh, my friends were lamenting the fact that we had to, you know, move over on online. And they were like, oh, we had so much fun getting together in person. Um, one of the people there, like, once again, they're all artists, but one of them works at a 3D printing, uh, like, they, they sell and make 3D prints. So, like, we have all these 3D printed models and everything like that. So, we love being in person. So, I was trying to figure out how to make it different when we switched it over to online. And so uh, I had this idea that now we can do all these sort of private uh, messages to each other because we're all on Discord, we're, you know, we're doing all that. And so what happens is the party, they go to this new town, the town of Luskin. It's filled with all these uh, pirates and uh, bandits and whatnot. And they, they enter combat and in the combat, um, the the bad guys use like a, basically like a flashbang, and after that happens, you know the party wins. They 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 finish the fight, but during that flashbang, I message one of the people in the party members uh, or one of the party members, and I say to them, uh, "You get you basically get kidnapped and you get swapped out, and so now you're actually uh, a Luskin slaver." who's taken on the identity, like, you know, I mean, they obviously with polymorph and, and all these disguise selves and, you know, there's a billion ways that you can, you know, hide yourself. And so your goal now for the rest of the camp, for the rest of this mission is to try to lure people back to this. Um, basically it's like a, a, a rat burger McDonald's. And if you can lure them into the back room, then, you know, you could, you can capture these people as slaves. So, it was this awesome like mole in the in the group scenario, and they were trying to figure out ways to try to convince people to join them. And eventually, because of dice rolls and whatnot, that one person managed to capture another person, and then those two people worked together to catch the next one. And I didn't actually expect them to capture everybody. Uh, I did not sort of plan for see that <laughs> happening, but it got to a point where there was one person left standing basically. And uh, they're drunk and they're like heading, we're like, why are we going back to this McDonald's? Like, there's no reason we've already checked it out and they're touching the person's shoulder, but it, but the shoulder is a different height to the actual person because the, the slaver is shorter than the person that they're touching. So their hands going through their shoulder, right. uh, but they're too drunk to realize <laughs> that they're, uh, they're missing it. And so then there's like this grand reveal and the players actually, uh, 
when I reveal to them walking down these steps and seeing the cages of their compatriots in there, <laughs> gagged, you know, tied up, uh, it was like a shocking, shocking moment for them. Uh, you set up a betrayal at House on the Hill. I did. And, yeah. I did. and they had, and that's it. Like they were having a blast. And then, and I expected, I didn't expect that to happen. And so then the next mission uh, or the next session, uh, they were on a slave ship uh, getting taken away <laughs> and they had to figure a way to get off of this boat. Um, and it was a completely different session than what I was planning uh, was going to happen for them. So yeah, D&D can take you, take you all over the place. Oof. That's uh, that's going to be hard to top. Uh, Dave Clark, what do you, what do you got? Uh, <laughs> 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 well, I really enjoyed the session where, uh, uh, grabby audition to join an improv troupe but uh that aside <laughs> right uh, uh as a player um i've been really enjoying playing against type i mean you know we, you were talking about um uh you know your favorite characters i i was playing i'm currently playing a, uh, an orcish barbarian uh, sorry an orcish bard he may end up with the level of barbarian but he's he's an orcish bard and and he likes to convince people that uh, not to fight. He fights. He fights with the best of them. He's got a he's got a two handed sword, and he lays the smack down. But he he he'd much rather talk people out of uh, out of problems. But then again, and talking and he, he, exactly. And then, but he's also like absurdly confident. And uh, in both his ability to do to talk people into things and uh, his uh, physical good looks, um, and so that you know his he's a lot of fun. And I I I mean I've always liked playing like I always like this is he's a bit of a departure for me. I, I actually really like playing uh, characters that have really strict. Uh, uh, personal codes uh, of various types. I like playing a paladin. I like playing uh, a warlock. Uh, you know, who's got a pact he's really trying to follow, or he's conflicted about following. That that can be really a lot of fun. Like he lets you lets you mess around inside a you know uh, uh, an opportunity to to play out moral issues inside your own character without any real world percu- uh, repercussions or like this, this, this orcish bard. Like he's just silly. <laughs> I would, you know, just just being silly, just like you know, confusing people with uh, bad results. Casting Tash's hideous laughter is so much fun, guys. Yeah, you just right. cast a spell and they're laughing, and that's it. That's the whole thing. They <laughs> fall down laughing. You win. It's it's one of my favorite things to do. I got to uh, sorry. Can I just no, quickly ahead. quickly interject having an overly confident character in your group also so great. Fun. You need them to get you into all sorts of trouble. So I I I approve of that. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. yeah. Totally overly confident. It's he's 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 been knocked out a few times uh due to that. But uh you know, he's he's a lot of fun. I just started him. He's just level 2 and he's really he's he's going to be fun. I he's going to take a couple levels of barbarian. I think he might be he might turn into a literal wrestler, <laughs> like like a pro wrestler yes. type thing, right? Because he's he's got a big mouth. 
Uh, he's huge. He's strong, uh, but he's very charismatic. Uh, and he's huge. He's like a big hulking guy. So I think, I think he's going to turn into a pro wrestler. I think that's what's going to happen. Nice. Nice. Yep. Take the grappler feet. Yeah, except for the grappler feet is a trap. <laughs> this is the power game side. If you look at it, if you read through oh, the grappler feet sure. from the power gaming perspective, it's a trap. It's terrible. You, you don't have to tell me. <laughs> so, so here's the thing. I think he's just going to be a better. He's going to be a better grappler. I think tavern brawler makes you a better grappler than the grappler. Anyway, that's to the that's the side. But what's going to be interesting is it's going to have uh, bards get expertise, so you double your proficiency bonus, and he's going to take that with athletics. And then him, while he's raging, but he's also an orc, he should be able to a deadlift uh, well over a thousand pounds, <laughs> and, and b um, he's going to have uh, advantage. When raging on his grapple checks, which are athletics, and he should, so she's going to be somewhere in the range of plus ten uh, with advantage on all his grapple checks. So it'll be he should be pretty pretty good at wrestling, uh, pretty quick. Nice, so I love I'm, it. I'm, I'm really excited to see how that that goes, and I don't think any of uh, this other game I'm running in is an interesting one because we rotate through DMs, and so. Everybody's got a, an opportunity to play, and everybody's got an opportunity to uh, to run and tell stories. And um, so, I don't think they know what mechanically the character is going. And I think I'm going to surprise some people when when it actually shows up that I can really fucking wrestle. <laughs> <laughs> You'll surprise them with uh, jumping off the top rope. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. They're going to say, okay, so the bard is going to do what now? It's like, oh, no, no, no. I took a level of barbarian, so I'm raging. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to. I'm going to roll these 2d20s and oh, add them. yeah. You can get rage with one level of Barbarian that halves damage on a bunch of stuff. Yeah, and gives you advantage on your grapple checks. Mm-hmm. That's pretty wild. Good yeah. multi-class strategy. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's a weird <laughs> multi-class strategy. It's There's bizarre. Just, barbarian <laughs> and Bard is a bizarre multi-class strategy, but yeah. it's 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 silly. Uh, but hey, listen. Bardbarian. Bardbarian. Yeah. Going to try yeah. it. Nice. Uh, favorite stories? Hey, you guys want to know something funny? Sure. <laughs> okay. Good intro. G- like it yeah. on this podcast? Yeah. <laughs> Just Jesse boring stories, please. Yeah. Cast uh, an upcast magic missile last week to level nine. <laughs> level nine. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah, couldn't couldn't think of a better solution, but it saved his compatriot's life by making the purple worm vomit up the fighter. Oh, <laughs> purple worm too, man. These are intense Very fights nice. you guys are doing. For the audience, magic missile is one of the most basic spells in the game. It's there for if you have no other option but like still want to play, that you cast magic missile. It means you shoot a little bit of something at somebody. Uh, but circumstances allowed me to <laughs> ramp it way, way up to as much damage could, because I just could not. Just we were in a tight spot, and I needed to make sure something would work. And so I freaking zone of the enders like Star Fox sixty four <laughs> with this magic missile. Yeah, it's got to hit. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Listen, it hit. I love it. Uh, don't underestimate underestimate magic missile. Um, 
I once dealt 924 damage with a level 9 magic missile. Wow. Wow. So now that is optimizing. That's some power gamer stuff. But but one of the other things as well to mention about magic missile is that there's no attack roll. No save. Always hits. That's right. Always Always hits. hits. So unless they had something like the uh, the shield spell or or a magic item that uh, specifically repelled magic missile, Mm -hmm. it was which is surprisingly (laughs) common. Like yeah, that, the, a yeah. lot the of approach of shielding, yeah. yeah, it is, yeah, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, yeah it, it was, uh, it was, it was a very epic moment. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, that's the thing, though. It's like these characters. Uh, me as a DM, I know we're talking about like player stories and everything, but me as a DM, I'm actually kind of freaking out when we get like right now. Uh, my characters are like level seven. Uh, but I'm almost worried to, you know, see what happens when they're, you know, 14, 15. And I have to like, just make sure that, you know, obviously these adventures become so powerful at, you know, at those higher levels. It's like, uh, I have to plan for how many contingencies, all these things. Like, no, no contingencies. Don't plan for any contingencies. This is, this is my number one advice for, for high level gaming Okay, is stop, uh, stop trying to plan for what the players will do. Mm -hmm. Don't stop trying to give them outs. Stop trying to give them a path through, you know. Sure, yeah, yeah. Because they have so much high level power that you 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 can literally okay. There are five red dragons coming in. What are you guys doing? Oh, time stop, fireball, 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 whatever it is. Like if there was Well that's I, what I'm I was, worried about. They're so powerful. That's what I'm saying. Well that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Is that you um, do not actually need to... those red dragons would be immune to fire so Well actually no I, I you're absolutely right. This was a this was the third edition game and we were we were playing high level yeah. and I was like, okay, so the, there's there's nine uh very old red dragons coming in and they blew there was third edition, it was it was they dropped the the time stop. They had elemental substitution and elemental admixture, and it was it was he managed to completely wipe out seven dragons on his turn, the mage. And it was like, what am I going to do? Well, you can only do that once per combat. Okay, great, thank you. But my point is, is that you do not have to. You don't. You don't have. You can just. Just open the the man, monster manual and and pick pages at random and just just everything 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 <laughs> everything everything everything. You don't have to you don't have to figure it out. The other way to deal with high level uh, players is uh, give them problems that they can't solve with their character sheet. Sure. You know, challenge the yes. players as yeah. opposed to the characters. Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, we've had a number of those. We've had anything from like a rebus to a, a pipe puzzle to like all sorts of uh, different uh, different puzzles that we needed to solve in order to move forward. Um, By a pipe puzzle, you mean like a Mario style? You come in here and come out there. It was like a um, it was one of those slider puzzles where you need to connect uh the pipes and there's basically only one correct configuration to get from point a to point b yeah 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 challenging the players i mean it's it's fun some players don't like it you know that's one of the things you gotta talk about in your session zero is like some players do not like when the they want their characters to be able to overcome Mm -hmm. the Mm -hmm. challenge as opposed to their players uh but i mean i throw it in i try and keep it balanced like you know Role playing challenges aside, like even 
puzzle challenges. I really do like puzzles are a huge part of D and D going back to, to the right to the beginning. And a lot of them, especially in those first, the first edition modules, they were put in there to, to literally slow the players down and they weren't fun. But if you can find a good way to make a puzzle fun or to put the care to, to give the characters access and the players access to solving the puzzles in different ways, mm-hmm. then they can be they can be really rewarding to the especially to the players that are sort of super invested in in sort of uh, the gaming aspect. Sure, it, sure, sure, sure. Know? Yeah. Yeah. My players don't they are not fans of puzzles. <laughs> I put I put early on I put some puzzles in front of them. They uh <laughs> they were weren't too interested. But once again it's yeah it depends on who you're playing with and and what they're into. I, I definitely think uh, originally I imagined that Dungeons and Dragons was gonna be a lot more uh puzzle based, but once again, because of the free form nature of it and how you wanna move it around, it's like I, I kinda joke in my head that like for me, Dungeons and Dragons and how we've been playing it, we don't really do dungeons or dragons. <laughs> you know, we're, we're, <laughs> we're, we're like running around the map, jumping from city to city, uh, you know, traveling to different planes and, uh, you know, sort of, yeah, fighting, fighting all sorts of monsters. Um, but, but no dungeons or dragons. So uh, we got a lot, I guess, uh, I mean, Graham turning the question back on you. It's uh, like favorite characters, stories. Stuff that stuck with you? Well, I really only have the one character. I've I've dabbled here uh, in a couple of smaller things with with other characters, but my main guy is is the best. Is Grabby the Goblin? He's uh, a filthy degenerate and pretty cool with that. Like he's he's very confident in his uh, grossness, <laughs> and uh, I I mean I I I it's like the thing I'm I've learned is like half the character is is thanks to to the dm i keep going back to that but like the stuff that i've been able to do with grabby is is only thanks to the possibilities that dave's put in front of me um one one of a really early session i was trying to seduce this npc that dave was playing and we went on a date and it it was just like me and dave on a date playing these two completely mismatched characters it was great uh and is everybody listening like is this just you guys like playing off in a mini or is like no the rest of us were sitting back loving every second of <laughs> okay. it because these two people are hilarious <laughs> <laughs> yeah i, I nice, think nice. i i think I think we made Stella jealous. Mm. <laughs> <It's possible. laughs> nice, nice. Uh, and then there was like this moment, which I haven't been able to do as much with since, but we, yeah, the date didn't go great, but Dave created this opportunity for me to win this character over by going and, and she, she ran a tannery. So I had to go get a special skin for the tannery. And <laughs> I couldn't, like, I couldn't justify for the character who was like got these animal handling skills like he once he found this crazy cool uh shadow mastiff he yeah. couldn't he couldn't kill it and so instead it became a pet he gave up on this seduction thing he's got a pet shadow mastiff now which took a while to tame and and whatever and i we haven't gotten a chance to use him too much but it, it was just such a fun twist on it and, yeah i love it yeah uh since then we went to a town where goblins aren't welcome. And so I've been disguised as another character's d- 
disgusting grandmother uh, on that occasion. Uh, we went out into this Perfect. town, ended up becoming the the chief of a group of goblins. It's just been like one fun thing. And then there's the, the time where, yeah, I don't know if it was an hour or whatever, but it was like grabby auditioning to be an improv comedian with this acting group. And uh, I, 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 it's just all that one in particular is just a blur because I had to <laughs> come up with this whole ridiculous act on the fly because God forbid I prepare for anything. But it was, yeah. uh, it was, it was a lot of fun, and and that's that's been the best part of all this is just being a, a stupid goblin, right? Nice. Yeah. So now, uh, Jesse, what's uh, what's yours? Oh yeah. Oh wow. Um, Sophie's choice much. It. Uh, I mean, like in terms of characters, it goes both ways. Like in terms of role playing, um, probably Sam is my favorite character. This is um, the. I, I do have this memorized. I'm not reading this. This was Volt Samothrax Shadowborn Lightsbane, uh, who was went by Sam. Who the premise of the character was that he was raised as a warlock. By, like you know, his parents were both in the like dark robes and sacrificial daggers thing, but he kind of grew out of it and sort of like he still has his faith and he still shows up at like evil Christmas and mm-hmm. evil Easter, mm-hmm. but otherwise he's pretty laid back. And so for a few games, like, I, I wish I could have done more with it, but basically he was like the kindly town librarian, <laughs> and then just like you know every once in a while, you know on the winter solstice and stuff, it was blood for the blood god, yeah. and that's just like you know, but it, but it's not serious. You know, he doesn't let it control his natural life. Uh, that was a lot of fun to role play. And I think a lot of my characters end up that way. I really like, like, taking expectations or, like, stereotypes and then turning them around. Mm-hmm. Um, and that happens with the stats as well. I'm I'm currently playing a Warforged wizard, which Warforged are basically the D&D versions of robots. Um, I started him with a fourth edition character and I've remade him now in, in fifth edition. And I, I played them both pretty differently, actually. But the idea that Warforged and D&D tend to be brutes, right? They tend to be knights and soldiers and paladins. And I was like, give me this completely artificial life form, like, you know, who isn't tied to anything living and let's make him in tune with magic. Like, let's, let's see what that disparity is like. I, I like going with that. Um, I've never actually played it, but I also really want to play this character I built. It's a Goliath bard who plays bagpipes, except secretly the Goliath is just an empty husk and the character is actually like a living magical bagpipes. Mm. I really want to run with that, except it probably has to be with a group who doesn't know the secret. And now I've outed it on the podcast. So maybe it's too late. <laughs> I guess, I'll tell you something about that, like, and that, and, and also what David said. Like, it's it, it's interesting. Um, I've done a couple of games with sort of table secrets, and it's I've it, I've played them both ways, and I've actually found it it's it's more interesting if you've got the right players. It's more interesting if the players know and they have to play that their character knows because that's hilarious. But if it's just you. <laughs> Then it's just you laughing with yourself, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It's a fair but point. You, but what I'm saying is, like, you know, the twist at the end, if especially if it's like a short one where where all the characters are slowly getting body snatched, and that's like the the session or two sessions. Yeah. That's one thing. But yeah. like, like if you want to play like this arc of this 
you know, this this bagpipe animating this this uh, this Goliath. It's you know, it's really it's going to come out pretty soon, or it's not going to be fun for you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a fair point. It's it's going to be at its best when. When it's when it's when there's when the whole table knows that the Goliath can't put down the bagpipes, and the DM is making a situation where the Goliath had to put down the bagpipes, then the whole table is having a good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good point. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a, that's such an excellent point. It's it's weird what people sort of, I think yeah, like expectations of what they what people also think is going to be fun, and then what is actually fun. Um is is another thing like even just like for me because you know i'm doing this campaign and we and i have a session on on saturday and they're expecting like all this lore to come out and and there will be lore that does come out but you know like what what the times that i think they have the most fun is is normally the playing through certain scenarios and and just sort of the organic nature of the storytelling that's happening then as opposed to learning a little bit more of lore from their backstory um but obviously you need you know all of it um but uh, but like you were saying, like being in on the joke with everybody and, and sort of sharing that sort of communal um, aspect of it is is great. That's a good point. So we're we're coming up on time. Mm-hmm. God, and I just, I mean, there, I mean, there are so many funny stories, and I don't know. I mean, the short versions, like there, there was a time where we were playing with one of the players at the table was a particularly sensitive young woman. Um, and I accidentally put her in a position where she had to kill a horse and it like may have damaged our friendship in real life. Uh, I, I guess is, I shouldn't be laughing then, but uh, okay. Well, yeah. but like it's, it's fine. We're, we're, we're not close anymore, but yeah. it was, that was the whole thing. That sounds um, fine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there was a, there was this thing. We were on this boat. It was like, um, like 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 a rich person's party, like like a coastal yacht sure, sure. tour, and we're supposed to steal this crown. And it's like there's no way to do this without being immediately noticed. And then, like you know, oh, like how do you disguise that? And I pointed out, well, look, the way you hide that kind of theft is you make everyone think it was destroyed. So obviously, we just sink the boat and say the crown was lost in the in in the disaster and the rest of the party was horrified i still think it was the right move right you stand um, by it to this day yeah. to this day <laughs> but everyone else is you can't see it's like we're 20 feet away from the shore no one's going to drown i don't, but it turned like it was like an hour of real life back and forth across right. the table like, that no, happens a lot with things that you want to do <laughs> but, but okay but does the does does the table like that? Like some people enjoy the arguments. Oh right? yeah, no, that's yeah, that's yeah, absolutely that's, that's it. What we, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's like, like like Graham's character is supposed to be like he's the goblin. He's supposed to be the evil one. <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> Xenophobia here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right, right, right. This is you want me to read you the entry yeah. in the monster manual? Yeah. It says evil. Yeah. Man. This is also the bit where I point out where a lot of people play the characters that are you know more similar exaggerations of themselves. Right. So we're like, oh, uh, Jesse. Wait, um, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> right. Oh, Graham, you're a go- dirty guy. Go- okay. All right. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I was playing. As a dwarf cleric in an in an Ashardalon game, actually, and I stepped on a uh, a pressure plate, and a you know, cage falls down from the ceiling. Yes. And I spent a long round of combat. Like now, it's your turn. Try to pick the lock. Nope. Next turn, try to pick the lock. Nope. 
Next turn, mm-hmm. try to. And I, I finally got to the point where I figured, you know what? I can heal through the bars, damn it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I believe there was also a cave in on you while you were in the cage. <laughs> yes, you were right that the cave in was there, and I only survived it because the cage got most of the rocks. Perfect. Right? That, Perfect. Yeah, legendary example of yes. my superstitions about dice and how some folks just roll poorly and have to perform rituals and use tools to avoid that. Um, so many, so much. Uh, we could keep people here forever, yeah, but people yeah. have lives. Yeah. So what I want to do before we go, I just want, like, quickly if you can, but ev- everyone's perspective. So like this is this whole episode has basically been a commercial for Dungeons and & Dragons. And I think even in our audience, there's a lot of people who don't really know what it is, have trouble getting into it. So I just want to touch on everyone just quickly. How like, How do you recommend that people get started? Mm. Um, I'll start, so I'll give you guys all a little bit of time to think since I've sprung the question on you. Um, <laughs> that was, because of my edge, I was like, huh? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, sure. I think that a great way to get into D&D is some of the, the promotions that they've been doing lately. Not even promotions, but just now that it's become mainstream, it's really easy to find like basically internet celebrities who are doing this. I mean, this is kind of your point, David Ansel, uh, like Penny Arcade did it with their Acquisitions Incorporated podcast. And since then it's blown up. Uh, there's an episode of Stephen Colbert where he does like a one-on-one one shot. There are a ton of Dungeons and Dragons podcasts to listen to. The Adventure Zone is a huge one. Um, I know a couple of folks in this room are big fans of Dungeons and Daddies, not a BDSM podcast, an actual Dungeons and Dragons podcast. But they're they're fun comedy productions, but they're built around the system of this game. And I think if you listen to that, like it's genuinely entertaining. Uh, oh, I should probably mention Critical Role. That's also a big one. Let's get in trouble for not mentioning that. Uh, it's very entertaining. So it's just the same way you'd watch an episode of TV, right? You're just watching a fantasy show, but it also gives you a good introduction to the game. I think that's a really smooth way to show you here's how it works and here's what you can do. And you can sort of take it from there. That's my recommendation. Yeah, it's a good way to see the game in action. Um, I'd also say that a uh, what you, you really need to do is just find people to play with uh, because it requires a number of people. Hopefully some of them have played the game before. It tends to be a, a somewhat easier transition into the game if you have people around you that are a little bit more experienced and can help you uh, build your own character and uh, explain the mechanics uh, and you know may, may, maybe hold your hand a little uh, if you if you sit down at a at a table and it's all um, people who have played for years and years, sometimes it can be somewhat intimidating. Um, but honestly, D and D is ninety percent who you play it with. You know, it's a fun game and it has great mechanics. But at its core, uh, tabletop role playing games are really just a bunch of friends getting together to have a good time and tell the story. Yeah, I just would want to say, in general, what uh, Jesse just said, what David Ansel just said, absolutely, totally agree. I think it's probably easiest if you can bring on uh, a couple of people who already know how to play or, or you know join up with them, who you play with is, is the most important. 
Uh, about Critical Role and all those shows, they are massively popular. A lot of people love them. I personally <laughs> can't stand listening to them. I find them very, very tedious, uh, which is hilarious. But the reason why I got involved was because of people uh, in my group or love it and they they wanted me to to join in with them. But I want to caution uh, you that if you do, you know, listen to to Critical Role or any of these other ones, these are yeah professional actors and whatnot. And so if you uh, all of a sudden get a bit of stage fright or you know get sort of caught up in this idea, know that uh, it takes practice and time, and you're not gonna every every game is a, is different. So don't uh, just sort of expect that sort of spectacle when you when you first start out. Yeah, you don't have to be Matt Mercer as soon as yeah. you start. You don't have to be Vin Diesel. Yes, he plays D&D, I know. <laughs> you don't have to be Vin Diesel as soon yeah. as you start. Yeah. It's your thing. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And I would say the the pitch that I would say if you aren't sold on it yet is if you're the kind of person who uh, you know, is already playing board games or anything like that, but you have that moment where you're like, oh, I really wish there was a rule where I could, you know, break these rules and change this stuff up, right? Like that that freeform nature of uh, the, and what I like to say with my group that we, it's sort of like the mantra is it's communal storytelling, right? So uh, if that sounds uh, uh, good to you, then then I think you're going to just love D&D. And honestly, there's no way you can't love D&D because you can play it out however you want to play it. Absolutely. Uh, I'll give you these ones. Uh, uh, if you are, if you are, if you want to listen to some actual plays, but that don't want to be intimidated by, by professional actors uh, and professional improv uh, guys doing it, there's, there's one called join the party Uh they're, they are professional podcasters, but they are absolutely much more of a, an average D&D group. And another one called SuperQuest Saga that are uh, these are these are folks like you and me who are, are, are doing their best to play really fun D&D and they just happen to have mics up, you know, like they, there's definitely podcasts out there that are 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 really more capturing a realistic approach to Dungeons and Dragons as opposed to a really uh well produced and 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 top tier entertainment show that happens to be Dungeons and Dragons. Fair point. And yeah. of course, if nothing else, you know, you pop it into Google, your first result <laughs> is the Dungeons and Dragons official homepage, dnd.wizards.com. Um they are super casual friendly. Um, the link to their like so much of it is online now. It takes out the intimidating part of dice and pencils and stuff. They, the system they've set up is is really cool and getting cooler all the time. So if nothing else, like the company itself has a lot of things to help you out. Yeah. Oh yeah. They want people to play. That's their whole business. <laughs> yeah. They're they're enjoying the huge jump they've had over the last few years yeah. for sure. Oh, it, actually, yeah. It should also be mentioned that. If if you are absolutely new to the game, uh, that there are three core rule books um, for you to pick up. If you're a player, the only one that you need to care about is the player's handbook. And if you're a budding dungeon master, uh, then you'd also want to pick up the Dungeon Master's Guide and Monster Manual. And with those three, you can make a game. And you can continue making games and making different characters it has near infinite replayability because you can create your own stories based on those core rules it's a good point the 5e the latest edition ones are are really good 
um, and they get right down to like, here's an example. And like, you know, then this mm-hmm. like, person A says this to person B, it provides like some loose adventures for you. Um, plus all the reference material you need if you want to get into it. That's a good point. All right. Well, like, like, a, you know, speaking of fantasy, we're sort of doing a return of the king here. And we're having, uh, we're having, you keep wanting to add just a little bit more before we wrap it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I think we do have to call it. So, guys, David, 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 thank you so much for joining us. And just I love the fact that I realized one day that you're all David and you all play D&D. And it all just came together so well. Um, Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having us. My pleasure. While we're giving out thanks, I always want to quickly mention Jamie Reum, our musician, guy behind our theme song. Reum is spelled R-E-A-U-M-E. Find him on Instagram and YouTube at uh, Jamie underscore Reum and Jamie Reum official, respectively. Um, he's a music geek. We don't get to do a lot of music stuff on this show. So if you want to check some of his stuff out, he's got that there. Um, he's got a hell of a singing voice, too. So. Take a look at that. Um, and hey, thank you. Um, we just got to add to our portfolio by hanging out and talking about Dungeons and Dragons for an hour and a half, which is, I mean, that, that's the most fun work I've done today. I can tell you that much. Um, D&D is huge. If you had more questions about it or things you want to say, or heck, even an idea of a list of your own that you want to suggest, there's a lot of cool stuff in D&D. Um, all kinds of ways for you to get a hold of us. Yes, please. You can email us at geektop5 at gmail.com. We're on Facebook, facebook.com slash geektop5, and we're on Twitter at geektop5. We've, but we've, well, yeah, everyone here has Dungeons and Dragons games coming up to keep us busy, and we hope the same for you. Um, keep this pandemic moving to fill your time, and uh, that should keep you busy until we get a chance to talk to you again. Until then, I'm Jesse. I'm Graham. And this has been Geek Top 5. We'll talk to you again next week.